Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Hip Hop Saved My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's sit back because it's time for the podcast. Hello and welcome to Hip Hop Saved My Life, the first Hip Hop Saved My Life of 2018. I hope you had a good new year. The reason I am uh, talking so creepily is because once again my family are asleep and I'm recording this intro downstairs. Um, uh, I hope you had a good new year. I'll go into more detail about it uh, next week. We're going to be doing, when we're not talking to guests, we're going to be doing little episodes in between. Um, where we talk about albums you should be listening to, etc., etc. So, um, yeah, look out for that. Okay, so this week uh, we are talking to uh, Andrew Emery, uh, author of the book Wiggers with Attitude, uh, where he tells the story of him. I guess like the British version of Jensen Carp in terms of telling his story of almost making it as a rapper. Uh, he also was a major contributor for Hip Hop Connection, sort of the first hip hop magazine in the world, and also was the ed- one of the editors of uh, Fat Lace uh, magazine. Uh, uh, it's a great chat, he's a very funny guy. Uh, we talked about sort of how he got into hip hop, how he got into Hip Hop Connection, uh, who was a prick when he interviewed them and who wasn't. Uh, it's a good chat, so uh, I hope you enjoy. Um, and if you don't, please don't tweet me. Bye. This is the bit where we introduce our guest. I'm honoured to say I'm joined by uh, Andrew Emery. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm fantastic, thanks. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, first uh, Hip Hop Saved My Life of the New Year. Uh, does that feel exciting for you to be the first guest of 2018? It does, yeah. Yeah, it must be quite weak for you that you're a uh, <laughs> journalist on. <laughs> Do you um, do you actually listen to the podcast at all? I do, yeah. I'm still a bit behind. I'm well, I, I, I'm not going to test you or anything, but it's just that you, you will know, even from a casual listen, that the the level of knowledge of hip hop of the guests on this show varies massively. Yeah. I mean, we've had like proper super nerds on. We've also had people like Tom Davis, who. I think no Snoop and Dre, and that's about it. So, uh, I, I think it's fair to say you are at the, the upper, the opposite end of that scale, aren't you? Because like you are, it's fair nerd, to say yeah. you're completely immersed in it, aren't you? I am, yeah. I think 30, 33 years of being immersed in it. But <laughs> hopefully, I wear my learning lightly and don't come across as a complete uh, arsehole about hip hop. <laughs> right. Um, well, look, I, I've got to thank you because uh, you're a contributor. Uh, to one magazine and the editor of another magazine that have sort of that hip hop fans in the UK uh, will know uh, intimately and affectionately. Uh, obviously, the first thing I wanted to sort of ask you about is, is hip hop connection. Uh, how you're, you're sort of a regular? How what was exactly was your involvement with that magazine? Were you like a main? Du- you're a main dude. I mean, I seem to remember seeing your name all over everything. But what was your sort of exact involvement? Yeah, well, I think I started out 
I think it was like the first thing I ever freelanced for. Uh, apart right. from, apart from, no, the enemy. I did a bit for them first, and right. uh, but you know their their hip hop coverage was absolute dog shit. So yeah. I thought I'll try and write for hip hop connection because I I read it since I was a little boy, and uh, yeah. you know I was I even had an advert in there, uh, you know on the connections page back when it first started, <laughs> yeah. you know trying to make meet people and uh, and uh, swap tapes. <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to do a name drop here. I, 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 about 12 years ago, I went out for a drink with Louis Theroux. Uh, right. And he told me he also was in Hip Hop Connection Connections page uh, when he was a kid as King <laughs> E. <laughs> that is, the, was he, why, is he serious? Yeah, he was serious. He was, he was a Hip Hop Connection reader as well. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. I didn't know that about him, man. So um, yeah, we should, you should get him on because uh, he's he's got he's got some some good hip hop knowledge. But, well, that's good to look. But yeah, I just wanted to write about hip hop for a living because I was so obsessed with it. And um, yeah, I kind of dropped them a line, and the uh, the, the editor Andy Cowan, who's uh, a fantastic editor, just was like, "Yeah, send some stuff in." And within a year, I was writing half the magazine, and uh, right. I was like contributing editor for a few years and stuff like that. And um, yeah, just did everything and everybody. I just loved it. Did writing for HHC bring you more into hip hop, or did it not change your thing at all? Was it just that you're able to write for HHC because of your love of hip hop? I mean, did it make you get more involved in the scene, or were you pretty much stuck in anyway? I was stuck in anyway because before I was a, a writer in my teens, I was a I was a rapper. Or yes, well, not really, but I was trying to <laughs> trying to be a rapper. So I was like, you know, I was the kid in in school writing lyrics in chemistry, and it was all like. Come on, guys! We've got to be positive, not negative. All that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> so yeah, that that shit is not lost to posterity. It's it's all yeah, it's all terrible. But um, so yeah, the, the HHC thing was just about me. I had all this knowledge swimming around in my head. I'm a passion yeah. for it, and also I wanted to be a writer. And hip hop journalism back then, you had the source, which came after Hip Hop Connection, and they had all the access, but no good writers. And yeah, and Hip Hop Connection had. Goodish writers, but I was like, do you know what? I can be, the, I can be the writer here. I, I really, you know, I had that ego. So if I could yeah. be, you know, like rappers have an ego. Like, I'm going to be the best MC. Well, yeah. I could, I couldn't be. So I was like, right, I'm going to be the best rap journalist. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, it was such an interesting time to write about hip hop as well because it was all changing and like, you know, the independent era was coming in and yeah, all that Wu Tang were coming through and uh, but also like. Yeah, the internet had been invented, so you know. I think I remember pitching a column called Webheads, which was like a, mo- <laughs> a monthly guide to what's on <laughs> what's on the internet. You know. <laughs> the thing about HHC though is, I thought it was like you'd get some like earnest articles and like really getting into it and nerdy, and it satisfied that kind of nerdy thing. But the difference yeah. between a, a Hip Hop Connection and like the source, uh, for me, and like, you know, correct me if, if I'm getting it wrong, but like as a reader, was like um, the source, I mean, the source was shit. I mean, because I read Hip Hop Connection before I started reading the source. Yeah. And then started reading the source because I thought, exactly like you said, they got to chat to the biggest guys, right? I mean, like that was, that they were able to interview whoever they wanted, it felt like. Yeah, but it just next was, to them. Yeah, but it was just like, I just remember not really enjoying it. But, but Hip Hop Connection was earnest, but also had that sort of thing where it was one degree removed because it's British and you're sort of able to poke fun at, at hip hop in an affectionate way as well, in yeah. a way that the source wouldn't do, right? Yeah, exactly. And I was almost like two degrees removed because when I started, I was still living in Leeds. So I'd, right. 
I'd get like a train out of London, or if it was a bit of a, a tough month, I'd get the National Express coach to London, and oh then my God. I, I don't know, and then you know, go down to interview Sada X or Akinyeli or Ronnie Size, and then get the coach yeah. back, write it up. But I felt because I lived not in London and not in New York, I could be a bit cheekier about the artists. It's like, right, you're not, not going to come to my house and beat me up. Yeah. Talk, so if, if, you know, if you're a bit of an arsehole, I, w- I will say as much in the article. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, rather than, because the source was like, yeah, you're right, it had all the access, but it, it never questioned the artists. It was always like, it just, you know, every little thing they said, it presented it as a, a pearl of wisdom. And it was like, yes. look, look, I love hip hop, but, you know, a lot of rappers talk a lot of shit. And yeah. sometimes you got to call them on it, you know. And, and what? who was the biggest arsehole? I mean, what, like you mentioned to that ex. I can't imagine Sadat X was like a cheery chip like bloke. Was he nice? Was he oh, nice? No, I mean we, did, we didn't end up like going off for drinks afterwards and you know take, <laughs> take him to a Sam Smith's pub and buy him a pint of Inga Brow. He was he, he was hard work, but um, some I mean some some were surprisingly easy work. Like um, I went out for dinner once with uh, Diller, and uh, right. and uh, we were I was we were coming up with porn star names for rap artists over dinner and it was it, yeah. was, it was Slum Village but it was obviously mostly Jay Dilla you care about isn't it yeah. and, uh, not the other two whoever they were and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know I was coming up with like oh you know Jizz Marquee and all this kind of stuff yeah. and I just came out and went of course you could be a gay D the gay porn star and the minute I said it I thought Oh, I've really, I've really messed up yeah, here. That, you've got too familiar there. He, that yeah, is a... he, he took it in good part. He was really good, but the, the biggest, the biggest asshole ever. Well, I, I did. Um, I did, can I use the c word? Yeah, go for it. I, mean, I called Jay Z a cunt to his face. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah, because he, he was, he, he was making everybody wait, and uh, in the end, I didn't even do the interview. I just, I said, "All right, mate, you're a cunt," and I walked out. And then I wrote the article about what he was like, and the same with, with Red and Meth. I, I turned up to interview them once and yeah, uh, I was interviewing them at like 11 in the morning and it was already like two, uh, I think I was there at two in the afternoon and yeah. it still hadn't started the interviews before me and they were just standing behind this rope smoking weed and all these journalists so they were there just they were making there. Away. yeah they weren't like late or flying in yeah. they were in the room but behind a kind of like bouncer's rope <laughs> and like making us all wait and I was just like Right, okay. I called over the press office and went, right, can you tell them both from me they were a right pair of arseholes? And <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did Method Man as well before. I did him in Paris. And uh, right. he, he was on the phone to his baby mama, as he said, uh, yeah. for half of the interview. Like, and he, eating like a club sandwich. You know, <laughs> I was just like, mate, come on, be a bit polite. I'm just going to call you a twat when I write the article. Not that you care, but, you know. That is mad, isn't it? It's uh, it's mad because you sort of feel, I don't know where that is. That do you think that's because generally they just think they're big time and that's it, or do you think they're trying to they're putting it on because they think it's part of the mystique of like being a hip hop artist that doesn't give a shit about journalists or something? Yeah, I, I think mean, because I mean, some of them are unfailingly polite. Like the RZA is like I've done him three times. He's like the yeah. best. He's like the best inter- interviewee. You wind him up and you watch him go. And right. like, I was sat in a hotel room, just me and him, and he just paced back and forth for 90 minutes talking into my dictaphone, which he'd taken off me. And he was like, oh, this is magic. <laughs> uh, you know, but other ones, they just, yeah, they, they want to treat you with a bit of disdain, like Prodigy, uh, rest yeah. in peace. He fell asleep yeah. in you with me. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> he literally just dozed off, and I was like talking Where to him. Where were you? In a hotel. 
and uh, it's just like, all right, mate, you get some kit. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll just fill your bits in later. <laughs> Did you ever have any comeback on anyone like uh, reading an interview of yours and then coming back and saying that you'd represented them badly or anything? Yeah, a couple of times. Uh, I think one of the things I'm proudest of in my in my writing was like, I think I kind of helped break the kind of raucous records era in the UK. Yes. We, we covered that extensively in HHC and I think we were there first. And it was quite weird. To, we, we used to go to like raucous on Broadway in New York to interview them. We'd, we'd fly out like two times a year, me and Dan, my best mate. Yeah. And we just basically like share a hotel room, uh, often with another couple of journos as well. And we just like morning till night interview people to pay for the trip. And, uh, right. and uh, yeah, we, uh, we turned up at raucous and like, I think I was interviewing Talib Kweli and Most Def and they both went oh right yeah Andrew Emery yeah you wrote this thing and you said that and I was like oh oh shit this is why I should get the coach back to Leeds <laughs> flying out of New York to meet these people and <laughs> I'd go and like, hide in my mum's bedroom uh, but yeah but I mean the only time it got a little bit serious was like is in the Fat Lace days when um, you know that guy Supernatural that yes, three dollar yeah well we were selling Fat Lace too, I think, at some music festival, and um, he saw the autopsy we did of Biggie Smalls, and right, the operation thing. Yeah, and he just he just <laughs> came looking for us, and uh, he was like, Who "The fuck wrote this? This is disrespectful. This is my man." And we were just like, "You didn't know Biggie, mate. <laughs> you didn't know Biggie. <laughs> You've literally had one record out in your life. You didn't know Biggie." It's like this, this shit won't this this shit won't go down in New York. I was like, "Well, we're in Folkestone right now." So. <laughs> it was like a, it was one of those fresh events. It wasn't right. fresh '97. It might be the one that fresh '98 or fresh '99 or something. It was like on his own. And it was like about ten of us. It was like, "Come on, mate. Let's not fall out about it. It's just a joke." <laughs> I always felt a bit sorry for Supernatural because, like, you'd see those videos of him just freestyling for ages and ages, right? Yeah. I just nobody seemed to give a shit. Do you, like, do you know what I mean? It was like he was good. He was good at it. But, like, you felt like he didn't quite get, well, like, what he was hoping for it, from it. Do you know what I mean? No, he didn't really go anywhere, did it? And he had that whole kind of, that shtick of, like, pass me what's in your pocket. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be like, oh, a pen, a man called Len. Zen, Big Ben, and you're like, mate, this is, this is not going to lead to a successful recording career. I know it's not just about color words that rhyme. There's got to be some context yeah. to it. But they have those, <laughs> they have those kind of placeholder raps that they do freestylers. Where yes. they're like, yeah, you know, it's all like to the funk, to the rhythm, and you know, every time they drop that in, it's like their brains ticking, thinking, right, what the hell do I rhyme with pen? <laughs> It's also, I tell you what I also hate freestyle rappers is but that first minute or the first 15 seconds before they get started, it's just like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, here we go, uh, and then then they come on and it's really underwhelming. It's like, oh, mate, <laughs> just do something you've written, mate. Do what Black Thought did, you know. I know. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's funny you talk about that because the Black Thought thing, we talked about it as on the podcast about how amazing it was. Yeah. But like, but like one of my friends uh, was talking to me the other day and he goes, um, I've heard a thing about uh, that some of that might have been pre-written. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> 
I've heard a thing. Like he's, he's tapped into like the secret facts. Yeah, he's got like, listen, mate, this is, this is some deep state, some deep state info I've got for you here. That was that was not off the top. <laughs> Just like, oh my god, what are people gonna? Are you gonna tweet it? How are you gonna, are you gonna get the word out, mate? Are you gonna word distribute out? the information? Oh my Assange. god, get it to Assange. <laughs> Spread the word. Catch the herald. I'm fresh chop and bevel rap on a doctor level. So F Scott Fitzgerald, maybe I'm the new Rock Kim. Maybe I'm Fat Pharaoh. Undergarments of armor be my intimate apparel. Pre Kardashian Kanye, my rhyme play immaculate. Same cadence as DOC. Pre accident, maybe my acumen's on par. Rakuji rapping them, give me the proper respect. Motherfucker, we back again. Because like the thing is, it's a bit of a weird one, like you know. Because like, obviously Black Thought did that thing; it went viral, and it's great. And we were talking about this on the last podcast, but we were just sort of saying that like people go, I remember like looking at the video and then you look at the YouTube clip and underneath there's people going, this is for like all those people that listen to future and think that's hip hop. And yeah, this, all these people listen to these kids now are going to be ashamed of themselves. And obviously those people aren't going to give a shit. It's like, it's not, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody's going to care that black thought we care. Yeah. Cause we're black thought fans, but people that listen to future or trap or whatever, they're not going to give a shit about what, what black thoughts doing. But, it did make me think that, like, when Little Yachty comes on his <laughs> comes on and does, like, he obviously can't freestyle or whatever. Yeah. The truth is, nobody's actually freestyling. Like, so does it really... I don't even know if it really matters. Do you know what I mean? Like, does it matter if somebody can spit, a, like, a, a, a freestyle off the top of the head? Because most of them aren't anyway, are they? No. I mean, you know, just case in point, someone who can do it, supernatural. It, yeah. People listen to that shit. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I would I would rather somebody do it, but yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, and also, yeah, all the all the YouTube comments were like, yeah, yeah, little yachty blah blah. I was like, well, yeah, fine, but you know, little yachty made broccoli last year, which was a great tune. I love yeah. that record. Hey, little mama, would you like to be my sunshine? Nigga, touch my game, we gon' turn this shit to Columbine. Ice on my neck, cost me ten times three. And it's like, I don't expect him to come on and spit a hot 16. You know, I don't want that from every artist. And they go, I want some people just to make records that I can hear in a club or at a party or on my iPod or whatever, you know. But yeah, a black thought can do it all though. He can freestyle, he can kick those written, and he can make yes. great records as well, you know. So yes, that's, yeah, that's, that's what makes true, him yeah. a great to me, you know. He's, he's that level above. But. Yeah, everyone just wants to like use that as a stick to beat the new school with, and it's like, yes. it's just old forty-five-year-old men like me who've uh, you know <laughs> drank too much lager over the years and have got you know miserable marriages. Just thinking, yeah. just they just got you know, <laughs> oh yeah, stick that. This is real hip hop. That boom bap. <laughs> Grow up. Yeah, it's bad. I remember though getting sort of having a moment of clarity because you talk about club records and stuff like that, but I remember going to like a a, a pretty backpacky kind of uh but you gotta be careful how you say that uh, like a sort of um <laughs> sort of sort of uh hip-hop do party or whatever and my friend like there were no club records it was just like really dense lyrical hip-hop and i remember we just spent the whole night just rapping along to the i don't even think we danced and it was like about part way through i just turned to us to go we're just like in a fake cypher here yeah, for the yeah. whole fucking evening occasionally, occasionally, occasionally shuffling our legs a little bit and doing a little <laughs> walking in place 1993 dance and, uh, i'm also the worst hypocrite because you know i love i love club bangers and i love that era of club bangers that whole kind of missy elliott kind of yeah. ludicrous nerd stuff but 
I mean, I remember years ago, we used to have a fat lace night at the Elbow Room. Uh, cause, yeah. uh, and I'd come on and play the most... I'll, I'll be playing like Sir Menelik featuring Company Flow and trying to get people <laughs> dancing to that. I remember, I remember like playing De La Soul Ooh, filling the dance yeah. floor, and then putting on a raucous B-side. And I'm not kidding, like everyone just fucking. It was like it was, you know, a, a fire alarm had gone off, the place was on fire. It was like, you know, <laughs> all right, okay, that's the time I play that. Did Hip Hop Connection, did it actually, was it making money? I mean, you flew to New York, so it must have been making a bit well, of no, money. Well, no, I flew to New York off my own, off my own band. Oh, okay. So, right, that, right. That was it. So, like, I'd, 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 like, I'd spend four days interviewing 16 people to try and, I mean, I would, I'd come home with, like, the worst uh, colds and stuff, because we were out at, at all hours. And you go, yeah. and we, so we go to Stretch and Bobito's radio show to interview somebody. Then we go to another radio show to interview somebody, and then end up some other place. And yeah, I mean, it just exhausted you. And you were doing it for five p a word, which is like not an industry standard rate of pay. <laughs> but so we were very much doing it for the love. It was, right, it right, was right. all about that. Like you heard, and you heard that people for the source were getting a dollar per word, and it's like they're not even using the good words. They're just, they're just using all like, the thes and the ands, and you know, yeah. rest of it is a press release. It's like, so we got paid shit, but so Hip Hop Connection made some money, but toward, right. towards the end it was losing money, and it was kept up. I mean, like I say, Andy Cowan, the editor, was like, he's one of my heroes in life. You know, he literally, yeah. he literally in twelve years never turned down a single idea I pitched to him, which even makes him so <laughs> <a> terrible, <laughs> just really supportive editor, which is what I think. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you don't get you don't get rich doing hip hop journalism. No, um, I, I wrote into Hip Hop Connection a couple of times actually. I remember writing a, a letter about how I thought Dr. Dre's The Chronic was overrated, and how I this is this is how embarrassing this is. I remember that I wrote about how The Chronic was overrated and how I preferred Tim Dog. I mean, uh, and I tell you. That has really stood the test of time. Yeah, that little fucking yeah, declaration. Yeah. 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 Did, you, did you write under a pen name? I think it was like Ranger or something like that, or it might have been Lazy Eye or so. it, it was something dreadful. I remember. But um, did it spark? Anyway. Did it spark a hot debate on the letters page? No, it didn't. Actually, the Tim, the Dr. Dre thing did, obviously, because everybody else in the country knew that that album was great apart from me apparently so that did and there was some guy that used to write raps into that letters page Fuck. oh yeah there was yeah it was really funny actually that's another side effect of writing people connection i used to get people writing to me through the magazine and sending me their lyrics and stuff like that it's like mate i don't want a record label and you know i'd get i'd get cassettes through the post and i'd be like you must have heard some shit i I mean i mean i I was a shit rapper but some of the stuff i heard was like oh my god you know like you could discern one word in 30 and like it was all scrawled and it was all all the letters were doing that in that hand styles thing it's like i can't even read this just do it just you know learn how to write properly or all caps four-page letter about this is my mission this is my mission statement as a rapper i'm going to change the game <laughs> mate that hip-hop calligraphy is the worst thing oh, do you know like i mean look, I, I, i'm on the record i've got no time for graffiti i'm, I'm bored stiff of it mate that's why that's why we did crap graph in fat lays because none of us were interested in graffiti but hand styles and letters like you're writing me a letter mate just send me an email <laughs> you know is that is that an A or a V? It's so bad, man. It's so bad. (laughs) 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I want to talk to you about, because you mentioned, we sort of alluded to you being a rapper. You, uh, a book, you've written a book that, you, that came out in August of last year, uh, Wiggers with Attitude, My Life as a Failed White Rapper. Uh, and uh, you've put this out yourself, is that right? I have, yeah, yeah. It is a wicked. It is so funny, man. Oh, thank it's you. such a funny book. It's so great. Um, so if you haven't read it, I strongly urge you to uh, to read it. Um, you uh, are you from? Is it Nottingham you're from originally, or Leeds? Where I, is it you're I, from originally? A bit of both. I was I was born in Leeds, but I grew up in Nottingham. So it was the Nottingham right. Nottingham rap scene I was originally in, but. I mean, I did nothing beyond the bedroom there, and it was in Leeds where I actually had a had a rap group, and you know, used to go in rap competitions and stuff like that. And oh god! And uh, how? I mean, just for the benefit of our listeners, how close did you come to actually making it? <laughs> very, very fucking far away. Uh, I think we once almost we got an offer from G Street to uh, to do a twelve inch, a two sided twelve inch with another artist. Uh, and, right. we, and we, um, this is pre-mobile phone. So we were all crammed into some phone box in Leeds talking to some guy at G Street yeah. going, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, yeah, we we're going to get Stereo MC to produce it. And we were like, nah, mate, nah, mate. We're not, we're not working with them. We, we've got our own producer, haven't we? <laughs> Just, <laughs> I, you know, the only people who replied positively and we're like, no, mate, no, on our terms or nothing else. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, mate, nothing else then. See ya. <laughs> We're like, oh god, you know. But you've actually got like in the book, you've got like you sent stuff to to record companies, yeah. And you actually got, I mean, they actually replied to you, didn't they? Like, I've got yeah. one, like East West Records, actually sent you a letter. I mean, it's like these people get back to you. I was, I was actually surprised by that. I thought it wasn't like you. And also, by the way, it's very difficult to find any of your stuff. Is it? Can you find your stuff online? I've started. I've, only- I've started to upload the odd track to my blog, which is the same as the book wiggerswithattitude.com and I've put a few of our demos on there not the cringiest stuff but because yeah. I've the only one I've found is drinking tea with the lads oh uh, yeah our big posse track about drinking tea with the lads progressive agenda be told we break the mould pass me a cuppa before it gets cold and a chocolate digestive so I can dip it countdown wrecks it and the planetary loonies rip it Save gets respect because he's credible to make a vinyl delicious and rather edible so book her up if you think the north shit just it's a good tr- it's good though it's like really good i mean you sort of in the book sort of allude to the fact that you think you were shit yeah but i think you're actually good you're good right no no i don't think so <laughs> i think there's some good i think we had some good ideas and we and we were different yeah. in a way that there was a lot of regional rap acts who were like right we're going to rap in our own accent and rap about yeah. things things near us 
Because I think yeah. I think it was at that time when all the American rappers were going, yeah, you Brits are all trying to sound American when you rap. And I was like, actually, yeah. hardly any of them did. Because you listen yeah. to like Demon Boys or whatever, or London Posse, they're pure London. But we were like, yeah, well, let's do the Yorkshire equivalent of that. Let's rap about Emmerdale Farm and, you know, Betty's Cafe in Homeforth and just <laughs> just trying to be a, bit, be a bit parochial. But yeah, there's some of the stuff is OK. I, I, I can look at it and laugh and go, you know, I had fun recording that. But some of it I'll never put online. And that's mostly like the political stuff, you know. Yeah. I, I, I did tracks about, you know, t- telling black women to have better self-esteem. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you fucking imagine the balls of this teenage white boy who's never spoken to a black woman, just being oh like, you know, it's of like a princess queen and all this. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, just being uh, waiting for someone from your community to speak up for them. Yeah. <laughs> that'll t- that'll t- that'll really give them a bit. That'll give them a boon. Don't give him a boot. <laughs> get forward. Um, what the other thing is, um, I saw one of the other. You did a diss rap. Your sort of first radio play was to a DJ that you sort of did a diss rap to, right? Yeah. DJ Shock. DJ Shock. Yeah. Did you send him a demo? I think it was like a rap competition online, and I and I called in, right. and he made, you know, he, I think he just took the piss out of my rap name, which was then uh, right. Scam. Yes. Uh, speaking critically about mankind. <laughs> As you do, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the critical element of like talking about tea, drinking tea is, but you know. Um, but, yeah, so I mean, he, he, he got he, pissed he, off with it. Yeah, he, he, he just made some comment about my name, and I was like, "Scam? What's that? Do you mean scamp or scampy or something like that?" I was like, "Right, I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna ring you up and diss you, mate. This will show you." But uh, yeah, do you know what? He, he came to my book launch. Uh, did uh, shock? Uh, shout out, Jason. Did he? Yeah, yeah. I had not seen him for like 20 years. Uh, right. And he's like a big, uh, he was a big light up here, a big garage and jungle DJ and stuff like that. But yeah. It was really good. It was a bit of a reunion. And I was like, listen, mate, you're the first time I ever heard my voice on air. And uh, yeah, it was a nice little reminiscence. But I mean, it was a terrible rap. I mean, you know, you're rhyming shit, DJ and sloppy. Why write a rhyme having to copy? <laughs> Is it DJ Shock, I'm going to take you out? Yeah. Was it? Was that the- yeah. I know the time don't need no clock. I'm going to take you out, Shock. <laughs> Do you know what I did? It's sort of a. I'm laughing. It's not. It's not crap what you do. It's just I can relate to it so much. You know that thing where you just want to be a rapper so yeah. much. You know what I mean, like being being British and wanting to be part of that leads you to sort of really overcommit. Do you know what I mean? Like That's to be it. sort of. You feel like you've really got to make up for the fact that you're not a black guy from the states, basically. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean so it's in, like, in many many profound ways. Fourteen-year-old uh, white boys from Leeds are the most discriminated against people in history. Just <laughs> <laughs> couldn't get a break. You know what? Couldn't get a break. I was, white reading, guys. I was reading your book, thinking I just want this guy to give his community a voice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's what I was. <laughs> Just these people need someone to speak up for them. Do you know what I mean? This, he could have been the guy. The silent majority that we are. <laughs> so anyway, so you went off and you gave up. Uh, it was the PA posse. PA yeah, posse, yeah. So you gave up being in the band, and then you started doing journalism. And it's fair to say, and I know you won't accept this as a thing because you're a humble guy, but like you shaped the way that British hip hop has grown in this country. Do you know what I mean? Because the hip hop connection and Fat Lace and 
um, and your sort of immersion. And you and you also still write for the Guardian, uh, like whenever they need an insider's looking to hip hop or yeah. urban music for want of a better sort of catch-all. They you, you sort of write for them as well. Do you look at that and go, yeah, I have contributed, you know, not in the way that I initially wanted to, but you feel satisfied with what you've done and how you. I know that you do other things outside of it, but to all intents and purposes, you've made a lot of your livelihood from hip hop. Oh right? yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like I've contributed to a degree, you know, <clears throat> and. Yeah. Um, I'm quite proud of some of the stuff. I mean, it's not the same as contributing like you've made a great album or you've made a, you know, a classic record, but I've kind of been involved in the debate and I've helped shine light on some artists and I've helped call other artists twats when they were being twats. And yeah. but also you're frequently wrong as a journalist as well. I mean, I was, I remember absolutely doing a one out of five review on a UGK album, which I now adore. Yeah. And just because I was like, nah, I'm not having it, mate. It's not East Coast boom bap. I'm not, I'm not having it. So in some ways you, you think you're shaping the argument, but you're in the wrong side of it. But yeah, it, it was just, I was, it was just a thrilling time because there was always something going on. You know, <clears throat> I mean, I remember staging a fake bank robbery as a fashion shoot for Fat Lace and we had, we had Madlib in it with us, you know, and it was meant we're on, we're on Belsize Park at the HSBC yeah. wearing, wearing steady B and cool C masks with Madlib. And it was like, I don't think we're shaping any kind of debate or, or culture there, but it was, it was so much fun. And who are you, uh, who are you listening to? I mean, do you still listen to a lot of hip hop? Or yeah, you sort of, yeah, pretty much. You're still, you're still in his love, still as lo- in as, what the fuck am I trying to say? Are you still in love with it as much? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Try again, mate. Are you still in love with it? Still in love with it as much as you always have been? No. <laughs> no. I thought I'd give you a one-word answer after it took you. What was it? What was it? It wasn't worth it. Yeah, yeah. No, I am. I am. And I'm never. Yeah. You have those peaks and troughs where, like, oh, mate, I'm, I'm getting tired of this stuff now. But then something yeah. comes out, and you know, yeah, I don't love everything that comes out. But people, what do you think is what do you think is shit, and what do you think is good at the moment? I mean, what what are you listening to? You know what I think is shit. Uh, yeah. And I, what is shit is like people that are just trying to do old school boom bap and just right. rap about rapping like yes yeah, right. i'm gonna rap i'm gonna rap the best it's like come on mate this, we're doing this in 1978 and <laughs> and I, I just don't like yeah that trad boom bap is yeah. really turns me off but so i right. mean um, you know, i'm i've embraced some mumble rap but other times if, yeah. if i can't tell what they're saying i can't enjoy the song that much but right you know there's loads of great stuff out there you know i Obviously, Kendrick is head and shoulders above everybody for me in the last couple of years. Yeah. But also, like, there's a couple of guys called Don Tripp and Starlito. I don't know if you know them. No, I don't actually. Oh, you'd like their stuff. It's they're like they're right. they're southern rappers, but they're really lyrical. Uh, they've right. got really good guests on their stuff, and and they've they've done a couple of mixtapes called Step Brothers One, Two, and Three, and they're absolutely brilliant. Pull up shooting, yeah, clutch bodies just like curry, but my cup dirty. I shoot a nigga like future nigga when Young Metro say you ain't trustworthy. Does that make trip Clay Thompson in the kitchen like action Bronson? Racks on me like I'm black youngster. I'm an all star with cash money. They do really good punchlines, but it doesn't seem like they're trying to be, I don't know. Jurassic Five, you know, it's they're not, yeah, trying, yeah. they're not trying to throw back. It's just like that. But there's always something new, and that's what I love about hip hop. It evolves. It doesn't sound like it sounded when I got into it in 1984, and that's what I don't want it to be. There's a lot of there's a lot of old dads out there who sound like my dad when I first played him hip hop, and we're like, what's this shit? Turn that off. I know. That's what I don't understand. It's like, is it the very thing that brought people into hip hop when they first start listening to it? Is a thing they complain about it now, which is that it's changed. Yeah. But that's the whole thing about it. I remember like being so proud of hip hop 
that it was the most rapidly evolving like genre of music that I could think of. And then now, because it's different to when we got locked into yeah, it, shit. that people are pissed off. Do you know what I mean? But like, it just isn't the way. But um, I mean, I do get it. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I, I mean, some it. of the stuff I just think, what the fuck? I get it. And, but, and I think um, it's fair enough that if you don't like modern hip hop, that's fine. You don't have to. Yeah. You know, you can't force yourself to. But don't just piss and moan about it all the time. You know, go, <laughs> go listen to something else. You know, yeah. some of us are able to, I'm not saying it makes us better, but some of us are able to enjoy new and old. And not everything old was great. There's a lot of revisionism out there that, you know, everything that was coming out in the 80s was great, but there was loads of shit then too. There was loads of filler. Yeah. And, but it was that, that really fast evolution of hip hop. That was, that's what you, that's, that's what you write about. It's so exciting to go from electro to like the sampling, the James Brown era. Uh, and then you've got the jazz era and then you've got uh, the Wu-Tang grimy stuff. And then, yeah. you know, and then more electronic stuff came in. It's just fantastic. It always changes and it's changing now. Do you listen to, like, for example, would you listen to the new Wu-Tang album or do you sort of think those you've not got an interest in listening to those people's music anymore? Because I, I, I sort of get excited when artists from years ago bring new stuff out, but it tends to be a bit of a disappointment. It's very rare that you that one of those guys brings out something you're excited about, right? Yeah, hardly ever. I mean, the last couple of yeah. Wu-Tang things, they're the kind of things I put on in the background think, you know, I'm going to give this a go for old time's sake whilst I yeah. do a tedious freelance article about the the apprenticeship levy or whatever I was doing this morning and uh, <laughs> you know it's, it's like it's just like musical wallpaper you don't expect it to be good and it, it rarely is but I will always give it yeah. a go. even like I think Greg Nice had an album out recently with Positive K I was like yeah I'll yeah. give that a go because I love because I love those guys yeah. of course it's like yeah absolutely shit but you know, <laughs> I've, done, I've done my duty by giving it one listen on Spotify I know you feel that you should do shouldn't you yeah. and then like you sort of and I feel like I've, I'm obliged to sell someone like one of my mates oh it's good it's better than you think it will be and then I never listen to it again no. I mean that's typically tends to be my my pattern <laughs> We constantly on this podcast moan about live hip hop, and you must have seen a shit ton. Oh god, yeah. Are there any like, are there any like particularly good or particularly bad gigs that stick out in your memory? Uh, well, seeing seeing Public Enemy live in the eighties was always amazing. Uh, it yeah. was never less than brilliant. I remember getting to the front once and touching Flavor Flav's hand and thinking it was amazing. And yeah, also in NWA uh, when they played uh, Birmingham. And they couldn't they couldn't sell any tickets for it. There was a, a minibus from Leeds, and there was like five of us on it. Uh, and that's all you could raise for NWA, Easy Eden above the Holy law. Holy shit! By London Posse, Hijack, somebody else. And there was five people from Leeds went, and uh, and I caught Easy E's towel that he threw into the crowd. Uh, nice. Subsequently, uh, disposed of it once you know he got his diagnosis, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, think, I don't think you can catch AIDS from towels, but I was not taking any chance. No, and also, no you, I mean, it seems like a ridiculous way to get it, doesn't it? <laughs> it would be unlikely. But even if there's a 0.01% chance of that happening, you don't want that to be the reason that you got it. Do you know what I mean? Like, what happened? But I kept holding one of EZE's old towels for too long. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's not the... But as a piece of hip-hop memorabilia, want... it's worthless as well. Because you could say to people, hey, look, this is EZE's towel. And they're like, what about it? It's just a Holiday Inn towel, mate. You just want to stay in the Holiday Inn. <laughs> Probably had a wank into it, you know? <laughs> but yeah, but... I think the, the the one I'm most angry about as a gig is, uh, yeah. and this is a ridiculous story, um, but I went to the uh, Big L tribute concert in New York at Tramps. Right. Uh, and I was with the guy. Well, how long ago was this? Was this the late 90s, I think? I can't remember. Right, okay. My, 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 my use of dates, but Big L had died. They were putting on a big show and he was 
uh, hosted by Gangstar, and there was like all like Freddie Fox playing and people like that, and all the kind of New York cream were out. And I went down there with um, the guys from Fat Beat Fat Beats Records because I've been hanging out with them that day. I was like, this is going yeah. to be an amazing night, and I think it was just getting started. And uh, I got into a fight with a with a rival New York hip hop magazine over the choice oh of over God. the choice of a font that we used. And uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> they were put. They were, so I don't, I don't know what happened. So did you use the same font as? So do you know Ego Trip magazine? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a great magazine, and I, 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 yeah. I had the privilege to write a couple of pieces for them. And then you know, so I knew them a little bit. So we did a we did a spread, I think, in our magazine that was a, a kind of homage to them. We used their fonts, their their typical style but as a kind of you know this is we admire you guys you're our favourite magazine and then they saw it and the fact that we were trying to sell it in New York and they were like you come into our city biting our fonts and they were like oh my god <laughs> I'm not kidding and there was five of them like Chairman Mao Brent Rowling yeah. Gabe Alvarez all those guys were pushing me around in this club I was on my own because yeah. Dan my, my best mate and my partner in rhyme had diarrhea back in the hotel so he missed it for another nice. reason entirely so <laughs> but yeah I'm getting puffed out of a font and like our, our designer was called Barry Barry B and uh, yeah, uh, funny enough, I was listening. To, I was listening to the MK uh, podcast you did recently. Oh yeah, Barry used to do all uh, MK's uh, mixtape uh, sleeves for him and stuff like that. Artwork. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. artwork for him. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, and they were like, "Oh, your man Barry B. The B is for biter." I'm like, "We're grown men here. Come on, <laughs> what is this?" <laughs> so I, I, they're basically like, "We'll leave, or we're going to fuck you up." So I had to leave. Like, tell me my legs. Yeah, just, just hear Gangstar coming on stage, you know, and all oh the, my god, and like, and I'm like going out into the night and trying to hail a cab to go and see my mate who's like, you know, shitting his ring out in the toilet to say, well, what, what, what a great night this is in New York. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the MK's cover art, though, but you did a book about cover art, right? I did. The, yeah, the, the book of hip hop cover art. Yeah. So is this because you think that? Um, Hip hop cover art's the best, or is it just something you're interested in, or how did it come about? I just had a collection because I was always a big vinyl hoarder, and so right. many covers that I just end up framing and putting up my putting on my wall. And I just thought it's a kind of untold story in a way that the way the art reflects the music. So you go from all those early kind of space agey covers, you know, from the electro era to kind of the more street stuff, and then you know, yeah. you've got all the kind of labels that thought about their artwork like Stone's Throw and Raucous and that I just thought it'd make a nice story I never expected anyone would publish it but yeah but yeah and it was really fun to write because it's mostly pictures so there's not that many words in it which yeah that's great as an author that's what you should try and do you just have loads of pictures yeah. in your book um did you did you have um Walking with a Panther in it by any chance LL Cool J no that didn't make it wow that's a shame because to me that is uh the quintessential hip hop album cover: a man with a, an artificial panther. <laughs> Is there a bin in it as well? Is he walking past the bin? I, I think there might. I think there might. Be. <laughs> like, you can see the art director going, "Man, we need a bin. We need a bin in here." Do you know the thing about the album cover that gets me? Is I think, okay, it's an album cover. When you look at it, just an instant, you see the phone. But somebody had to fucking turn up with that thing. Yeah. Like you had to, you had to spend a few hours doing it. At no point. Did anyone go, this is a bit stupid, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, just, just call it walking without a panther. <laughs> <laughs> and then you don't, you don't have to hire a panther for the day. Or, or oh, it wouldn't surprise me if they did the photo shoot and then then said, we're going to have to fucking call it walking with a panther now. Otherwise, yeah. that photo shoot is a complete waste of time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? About what? Dave, 
Dave had to put that fucking thing in a lorry, mate. Bring it over it. What I'm surprised with the way people in hip hop get things wrong is that like they didn't get a panther and then call the album Walking with a Leopard. Because that is the kind of shit you expect from rap. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> I uh, a few a few years ago I was on eBay and I bought myself an original Walking with a Panther uh jacket, like a tour jacket. Right. And I was like, oh this yeah. is gonna be the best jacket, mate. I'm gonna wear that into some trendy little London clubs that's going to look great and it turned up yeah. and of course you know I'm like 6 foot 2 and 17 stone so yeah. it went down to about my you know my elbows but it also had yeah. in massive letters which they hadn't shown me on eBay Karen stitched on the front so <laughs> <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> it didn't get warm once yeah I've changed my name Karen mate Karen <laughs> Listen, I wanted to ask you about hip-hop voices. Oh, yeah. Talib Kweli, his voice is shit, isn't it? No, it's not shit, but I mean, do you think if he had a better voice, he would have been bigger? Because he's a good rapper, right? Yeah, I mean, he did He did a couple of good albums, didn't he? I mean, that, that yes. one with all the Kanye West beats on was good, and, you know... He reminds me, he, make, he reminds me of, like, the hip-hop version of Broccoli. Yeah. We're like, you know you should listen to him, and he's good and all that but you just don't I don't know I feel sorry for it's him a, in a way it's, it's a bit mean? wholesome some of it and yes it's, and, and, and it's a bit bookshoppy it's like yes. oh, this is what I read in, in, in my in my Black Radical bookshop this morning I'm now going to make a record yeah. about it but, <laughs> yeah. but he, he was in Leeds last year and uh, right. it was like a little hip hop symposium attended by about 42 people and and he was in there and I was like how the mighty have fallen mate you're in Leeds on a wet Saturday Talking, oh, talking about hip hop and the, keeping the culture real. I was just like, I can't even listen to this now, mate. I've, I've got to go. I'd rather nip out and get some shopping. Have you um, Have you listened to the new Eminem album? Yeah. I, uh, oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you make of it? Uh, I absolutely hated it. It was. It's breathtaking, isn't it? How bad it yeah. is. I, I do you I know? Shocked, shocked. At, I mean, there's like about one good. I don't know, maybe there's about thirty good seconds on it. And you're like, yeah. you're like, you get that glimpse of Eminem, and uh, it's tricky because I I know Eminem's manager a little bit, and he's a very he's right. a very nice guy. And I was offered to review it for a, a newspaper, and I went no because I would end up souring my relationship because his album is so bad. I don't want to. Yeah, it. it's. Do you know what's weird about it? It's like I sort of like I think most people, apart from sort of the the biggest kind of fanatics, will accept that his best work is probably behind him. He's probably put out his best record. So you sort of go, well, I don't expect this to be better than anything he's done ever before. But the fact that it's... Su- I just can't believe that nobody... There was no level of quality control on that record to just go, this just isn't good enough, man. Or should we spend some more time doing it? Because yeah. he would have been better off just putting an uninspired load of like guest producers and just spitting some just generic kind of battle shit on it like, than putting that out man because that was just like and the guests were terrible so cr- the guests, oh my god you know it's like what are you thinking of doing a song with Pink you know was Emily Sanday not available if, you, you know, <laughs> if, you're trying to, if you're trying to bland us out it was just it was just awful and then I think the thing is as well you know people were like you know oh, it's, yeah but it's a really political album it's you know he's engaged with Trump but you know what you know if you're a grown up and you read a good newspaper you don't think that's particularly incredible political analysis he's doing there he's basically, no, he's basically sitting no. in a car park with his mates going uh, you got orange hair you know you play <laughs> I mean that's that's what it, that, that freestyle you know if, 
people yes. are mad about that and sharing it. It's like that's not the Black Thought freestyle. You know, the Black Thought. I know. The next level. This is like a bloke, yeah. a bloke just like not even over music. And it reminds me of those kind of those battle rap nights that happen now, where it's increasingly it's not over music, and it's just yeah. people doing really offensive punchlines about each other, and then stopping, pausing, and waiting for the laugh. And it's like, yeah. like if you actually put a hip hop beat on now, none of you would be able to rap to it. You'd absolutely not. I know. Just a load of. It's so noise. bad. And then the wor- the worst thing is when they do one of those lines, it gets nothing, and then goes, "You catch that? I said." <laughs> <laughs> and I said on a thermostat, this guy feels too whack to overreact. And just everyone's like, oh, we, we did hear it. We actually gave you what it deserves. Yeah, yeah. Is, is what I- well, you're not underrated. You are correctly rated <laughs> as, as being a shit MC. Plug one, plug two. Guest plugs for you. Listen, Andrew, we are out of time, I'm afraid, okay, man, man, pretty much. But Thank you so you much. You have been... You've been such an amazing guest. Is there anything you want to plug? I mean, obviously we've got your book, and um, you're selling it through your website, right? And then and you can get it from Amazon. Yeah, you can get it from like Amazon. That. It's yeah, it's on Amazon. All the Amazons uh, as yeah. an ebook, or you get it directly from me on my blog, wiggleswithattitude.com, and they're signed copies. Is it better to get it from me directly or from one of those sellers? Swings and roundabouts. Uh, okay. Cool. Either either way is good. But if you want a personal dedication, buy it from my website. Um, the other thing is we're, um, me and Dan are crowdfunding a book at the moment uh, called Promo Only which is a collection of all our hip hop memorabilia and uh, okay. and uh, that's not going great guns to be honest so uh, <laughs> if you want to back to what's, is it, uh, what's the website uh, unbound.com forward slash promo dash okay. and there's a little video of us showing some of the things in there it's like incredibly rare okay t-shirts jackets board hip-hop board games stuff like that all right wicked uh okay so check that out if you can um andrew happy new year mate thank, thank you, you so thank much, you so much uh, for coming on i appreciate it cheers mate, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.